Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, good morning, Hope Church. How are you this morning? It is great to see all of your beautiful faces. My name is Tom. If I don't know you, I would love uh, to get the chance to meet you today. I'm the pastor here and just so glad that you're spending your morning uh, with us. I want to give a huge shout out to all of you who are uh, watching online today. We are experiencing a little bit of technical difficulties, but hopefully you could hear us and that you're able to engage uh, with us like Michelle uh, said. So uh, this is a great week. It's been a crazy week for me. Anybody else in that boat? All right, a few of you. Thank you for sharing with my pain. Um, But I do want to give a shout out uh, because this is really, really exciting. Uh, One of our elders, Trevor Reed, uh, and Becky, his wife, they had a baby two days ago. They are welcoming Jacob Thomas Reed into the world. I also know we have very proud grandparents in the room, too, so congratulations. We're very excited for you. Let's continue praying for the Reed family. If you guys are watching, we love you, and um, good luck with the sleep uh, over the next few months. (laughs) We are in a series called Shut Up. The lies uh, we believe. And uh, we are starting from the assumption that every single one of us is believing a lie right now. We're all believing some kind of a lie. Now, it's going to be different for all of us. We're not all believing the same lie, but we are believing a lie. And make no mistake, these lies end up pervading our lives They're shaping the decisions you make on a daily basis. They're shaping the way you live. And in some cases, it's shaping the course of your life. And so we're trying to talk about those just openly and candidly. Uh, So let me just give you a review. If you're joining for the first time, we're uh, week three of this series. Uh, In the first week, I talked about, we called it origins. And we went way back to the beginning about what is the origin of lies? Or really, who is the origin of those lies. And we talked about our enemy, our adversary, the devil, Satan. He's called the great deceiver. And he is an enemy that is, listen to this, incapable of telling the truth. It's his very nature. It's in his very DNA. He's incapable of telling the truth. His whole uh, being is made up of deceit. And that's why, as a part of this world, because, by, by the way, the Bible calls him the prince of the world, that's why we believe the lies uh, that we do. That's why we're confronted with them every day, and it's why we believe them, because, honestly, it's super, super subtle. If it was, you know, right in front of our face, we wouldn't. We would say, hey, nope, nope, but there are very subtle ways that we believe these lies. And I talked about what is the goal? What is his goal? What is our enemy's goal? It's always to separate us from relationship with God. In some way, shape, or form, it's always going to be to separate us from relationship with God. And our big idea was there's nothing more powerful than the power of a lie except for the power 
of the truth. And so then last week, uh, Carrie came in and she talked about the first lie that we're we're, uh, confronted with. And that might be for you, something you're believing in. She called it the lie of shame. Shame. This intensely painful feeling of believing that we're flawed, that we're messed up, that we're broken. And therefore, we're worthy or unworthy of being loved and accepted. We're unworthy of belonging. And so the lie was, I am not accepted or loved for who, I am, for who I am. So what do we end up doing? We hide who we are. And she just did a magnificent job of just laying that out for us. And then the truth was, but God sees you. God sees you. You are loved. You are accepted. And you have value. And so today, I want to talk about another lie. It's a lie we hear all of the time. And it's going to be probably a very interesting one uh, as we discuss it. And so I want to begin, I want to set up kind of where I'm coming from in my mindset here. Uh, I can sometimes be a pessimist. I think in, like, I tend to be the glass half empty kind of a person. Except I don't ever want to be the person up here who's describing how bad it is in the world and how repressed we are and that we have to dig in and fight. In fact, that's so opposite of where I am. If you know me at all, that is not where I am. I don't ever want to come across as judgmental. I'm very much in the camp that we need to be coming to conclusions for ourselves, and we've talked about that all year long. That the church is not making those decisions for you. We're just trying our best to really figure out what God says. And then you have the responsibility to work through that and to live that out. And so what I would actually say when it comes to the church and even when it comes to thinking about our world and our culture, I think I tend to be a pretty big optimist. In fact, I have very high hopes for the church. I have very high hopes for the next generation. Oh, and by the way, did you see all these next generation kids serving on in our church? Like, I have super high hopes for the generations coming behind. If you're in your 20s or your 30s, I have super high hopes for you. I do. I don't think it's all bad. And in fact, this has been a really crazy year. We all know that, right? But in times of crisis, I think we have unique opportunities to speak into our culture. And when we started talking about this series, that's exactly what we started mapping out. What are the lies that we're believing right now in this day and in this age, in this time? What might be we tempted to believe? And so I want you to be really clear in where my heart is with that. Every time I'm up here speaking, I want to encourage, I want to inspire, and I also want to challenge us. But we can't speak into culture. We can't speak into these lies until we, number one, see more clearly, and number two, think more critically. I'm going to say that again. We cannot speak into our culture unless we see more clearly and think more critically. So, in that background, I would love to jump into this subtle lie that I think we could find ourselves believing if we're not careful. So here's how I want to start this off. We're going to play agree or disagree. 
except there's one big rule. You don't say if you agree or disagree out loud, okay? That's the only rule. I'm going to make a statement, and in your head, you're going to say, I agree or I disagree. Nobody says it out loud, okay? So here's my statement. In general, no matter, no matter a person's uh, you know, background or religious worldview, most people have similar ideals of morality. I'm going to say that again. You could agree or disagree in your head. In general, generally speaking, no matter where you're coming from, religious worldview, we have, people have a sense, general sense of morality. Okay, uncomfortable silence for a second, that's good. So I'm going to play my hand, I'm going to play my cards. I think my answer is agree. I think just about everyone wants to be in a world and wants to live in a world that's loving and truthful. We all want to live in a world that's at peace and not at war, harmony and not hate. And I think if we were to take a poll, most people could describe what that looks like. They could put it in some kind of terms. And even if you can't, even if you struggle with that, I would argue that probably you could say, oh, but that's not. So you could kind of disagree. You would, you would know it when you saw that that's not lining up, right? So I think we're all striving for these things. We're striving to be moral. We're against the world of deceit, war, hate, all of those things. In other words, we have this subconscious, subconscious sense of morality in some way, shape, or form. And where does this come from? Where does this come from? Well, I think it comes from the heart. I believe we are hardwired this way. Why? Because all of us are made in God's image. And our deepest desires are very similar. And even, again, Carrie talked about this a little bit. So we have the deep desire for love and to be loved. We long for things to be made right. We want the broken fixed. We long for forgiveness and peace. We long for happiness. We long for goodness. And I think that's everyone in this room. But the problem as I see it currently is we don't really have the standard for morality. What do you mean, Tom? Well, here's, here's what I mean. So, Jim, just stay with me. We're thinking critically this morning. The message of our culture, there is no God. Morality is a social construct. And the meaning of life is to feel good as long as you don't harm anyone else. This is how we're basing, our culture bases morality. And the problem for me, and maybe for some of you right off the bat, what I would assert as a pastor here at this church this morning is the problem with this equation is that God is left out of it. And when this happens, we are left to try to figure out what's moral on our own. And so where has that left us right now? 
maybe in your own heart, in your own life, as you look around and you see the world you're living in, this is what we hear continually. This is how the world, I'm using this term intentionally, disciples us, okay? We want to focus on personal fulfillment. We would do what makes you happy. You are your own authority. Do what you want. You do you. How many have heard that before? You just do you. Yep. So for a little while this morning, I want to explore that phrase. Because at the end of it all, I think there is a subtle lie at play. So let me be honest. I have used this phrase before. Anybody want to join me with that? You've said this? Okay. I've I've used this many times. And I actually don't think it's all bad. I, I actually think there's some legitimacy to it. When we use this phrase, you do you, it could be really helpful and there could be some really good motivation behind it. In the sense of, don't be afraid to be your authentic self. Again, Carrie talked about this a little bit last week. It's a really good and healthy thing. God has created you to be you in your own unique way. You are unique and the world needs you to be you. You have something to offer. So you do you. Don't worry about fitting in some kind of certain mold that you're trying to be forced into. That makes sense to me. That works. Maybe they say you do you in the, in the sense of you actually, you have choices. Well, of course we have choices. One of the benefits of living in a society like we do is that you are free to exercise those choices. And daily we're faced with making them. And choices for yourself, choices for your family, choices about how you're going to spend your time, choices about who you're going to spend your time with, choices about how you spend your money. All of these choices are not mine to make for you. So you do you on that. They're yours to make. In humility and reverence to God and others, Make those choices. You do you. But I want to challenge us to stop and think a little bit more deeply this morning about where this kind of thinking could lead us. And again, mostly unintentionally. The lie is very subtle, but it's potentially dangerous. Why? Because everything centers on you. Everything centers on you. In other words, if we're not careful, we could come to a place where we believe that ultimately we have the final say in our lives. That we ourselves are our own authority. And let's face it. Most of us have adopted a worldview where we consider ourselves to have the final say about our lives. We are discipled by a culture that sees true happiness and true peace and true joy and authenticity as a result of you doing you, being the truest self you can possibly be. This is the only logical conclusion. But as a follower of Jesus, we need to see things through a different lens. And today I want to put on those lenses uh, for us. But we have to ask ourselves the question, am I my own authority? What does God say about that? What does the Bible say about that? Am I my own authority? And if not, what or who is my ultimate authority? Am I my own authority? And if not, 
what or who is my final authority? Because ultimately, you do you is a question of authority. You do you is a question of authority. Now again, I told you, this is the, kind of a weird one. Like, this is the part where we all start to get uncomfortable. Ah, what is he going to say? I don't know. This is kind of awkward. See, our culture, especially American culture, really pushes back on the idea of authority. We push back on this idea of submission. And honestly, as I thought about it, uh, at the very core of our nature, uh, of, our, of our country's founding, is this, is this nature of autonomy, right? That's high value on freedom. And please do not get me wrong. I am all for it, and I am so grateful. Make no mistake, I cherish the freedoms that we have. I do. I cherish the idea of free choice and a free think. And I am not questioning the wisdom of the foundation. But let me say again that this deep discipling that we get from our culture when we receive, when we buy into this idea of you do you, will at some point put us at odds against the discipling that Jesus wants to do in our hearts. It's going to challenge us on every single level. So I want to look at some scripture today. I want to work through it with, with you. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, that's where we're going to start. We're going to have these verses on the screen for you, so hopefully you could follow along. If you have a Bible, uh, please feel free to follow along there too. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3, okay? Here we go. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience in your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the what? Yep, the devil, I heard a smattering of that. The commander, interesting, we just talked about this, of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the what? In the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Let me stop for a second. Here we have our author. The author is who? Yes! We have our author. He's comparing two different lives. He says, all of you once used to be this way. So he's talking to these believers, these followers of Jesus, okay? Disciples of Jesus, whatever you want to call it. You once lived this way. He's comparing two things. You once did, but now. All right? So you used to be like this. You used to have this, this way you thought, this way you lived your life, whatever, just like everybody else. You obeyed the devil. That's pretty strong words. He is, at, he is the spirit at work in your heart. This word heart here, really we could say, in your deepest desires. Our enemy has a finger on that. He has a finger. We are desire-based people. We do. We live after own, our own desires. That is a part of our nature. And so that's really important to make sure that we know that, actually, the Bible says our hearts, our hearts can trick us. Do you know that? There's a verse that says our hearts are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We, can, we, we can't even know it. So it says it right there. We, we are aware that we can be fooled, and we don't even know it because of this, this thing that's happened in our hearts. 
So I find that fascinating. Now I'm going to slide over to this next verse, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. We're going to kind of build on this idea. And it says this, for the world only offers a craving for physical pleasure. There we have it, that, that desire of our hearts, right? This craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, more desire, pride in our achievement and possessions, desire. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. So now we have this contrast that we have the spiritual father and we have this worldly father. What's happening here? So now we're going to fast forward back in our Ephesians passage. Verse 13 of Ephesians 2 says, but now you, what? Is it up there? It's not up there. Now you belong to God. Now you belong to God. Other translations say, now you are in Christ. We were once this, and now we belong to Christ. This is really, really interesting stuff. Let's keep working through it, okay? We're going to keep working through Scripture here. Now we're going to f- uh, forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. It says, you do not belong, there's our word again, to yourself. For God has bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your what? With your body. Your physical being, the things that you are doing. The things that you commit to, right? I'm going to go right away to another verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So now we have the body, the mind, and it's all pointing towards it needs to be controlled by some other authority than the world or yourself. Do you see this? You belong to Christ. Sometimes I think it's helpful to look at different versions of the Bible. You might do that as well. And so there's this version called the message version. It's super practical, super down to earth. I want to read this in in a new light because it helps shed some light on some things. This is what the message version says of that scripture. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on the self on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. And that person ignores who God is and what he is doing. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. In everything that we do, in our mind and in our body, in our deepest desires... We are at war in our soul, in our hearts, our battlegrounds. They just are. And by the way, side note, I do not love battle imagery when it comes to talking about the church. I don't like it. But I will say this. It's, it's, you can't miss it in scripture that there is a battle going on for your heart and your soul 
in your body. St. Thomas Aquinas, um, he called three things the implacable enemies of the soul, meaning relentless, unstoppable. The world and the flesh and the devil. And I want to think about that even as, again, as another grid to think through as we, as we think through even what we're talking about today in the lies that we believe. First of all, the world is this ideology that is birthed and perpetuated by our culture, right? The flesh, it's that disordered desires in our heart. And the devil, the father of lies. And so here's this statement. The world's idea of ultimate authority is you. But as a follower of Jesus, our ultimate authority is him. The world's idea is that ultimate authority is placed on you. But that is not what scripture says. That ultimately, as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, he is the final authority. And this has huge implications for our life. And so John Mark Comer, he's a pastor, he's an author, he says it like this. I heard him speak this out a couple weeks ago. He says, organize your lifestyle around the way of Jesus. I like that. That's what he's calling discipleship. Organize your lifestyle around the way of Jesus. As I'm wrapping up here, let me be clear. I don't think it's wrong to use the phrase, you do you. There's nothing wrong about that. The inherent ideas about self-worth and identity and confidence and uniqueness, those are great, but don't get it twisted. Be careful of the spiritual implications of this when it's played out to its fullest extent. And remember, we talked about that. This is what the enemy likes to do. He likes to take truth, but because he's incapable of truth, he twists it just a little bit. And we need to have our ears up, our eyes up, looking around saying, God, is this really what it's about? You see, when we accept Jesus in our hearts and our lives, make no mistake, you are placing now the authority in him. You are. When you follow the ways of Jesus, you are submitting to the lordship of him in your life. He's in charge, not you. He has final say. Not you. Everything changes when we organize our life around the ways of Jesus. Our hearts are battlegrounds. And that's how the enemy can get to us. Remember, he's trying to move your heart away from what God's ideal is, right? He's trying to move our heart away from truth, away from love, away from peace, away from happiness away from forgiveness, and do not underestimate that. He knows how to do that for you and for you specifically. He deceives us. He's the deceiver. Listen, lies always play into our deepest desires. Do you realize that? The heart. They always affect our heart. It always plays to something that we desire. 
And I know we want freedom and control. It's something that sounds very, again, very American, very Western. But listen, only in full submission and humility to his authority, to God's authority, is when we'll be able to open our eyes and see the deceit and see the lies. And it's only after full submission that we could ultimately experience true freedom. And, and, and that's what we want. Some of you might know this. Some of you have lived throughout your life and you have lived a certain way and you found yourself not free, chained up, right? Some of you know what I mean. And it was only until you started saying, oh God, I get it now. I see you. I hear you. Put that in my heart. Oh my goodness. I've never felt this way before. Something different has happened to me. Something has just come over me. You've changed me. I feel different. And I actually feel more free. Man, I used, all I used to do, I used to think about money all the time. And because I, again, I want to be a good provider for my family. Uh, yeah, well, that's important. But you know what? Once I gave that to God, like, God, you're in charge. Lead me in this. Organize your lifestyle around the way of Jesus. We talked about how when we started this series, we actually emailed a whole bunch of people in our church and said, hey, what are your thoughts? What are some of the things that you're struggling with? And it was really interesting because someone had submitted this idea and it was something that I had already written down and I wanted to speak to you. So it was just an affirmation for me. But this person went on to say in their email, like, and this is why the church exists. And I agree. Not to tell you what to think. Not even necessarily to change your mind. And some people are like, no, 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 that's not where I'm coming from. And that's why I said everything I said in the beginning. I want to challenge you to think critically about what we're saying. And to have a place that we can center on truth as best as we know how, and God knows sometimes we're wrong, that this is where it's going to start. When we focus around Scripture, when we focus around Jesus, when we're in community with others that help us figure some things out and live that out and talk that out, life groups, That's why the church is needed, and that's why I'm an optimist. We have answers, and we have truth, and my heart is for us to pursue that with all we have. And so here's my big idea. The big idea today is this. I am not the Lord and master of my life. It's simple. It's kind of offensive. But as we go through and as we think, we are not the Lord and master of our lives. And it's so important that we organize our lives around the one who is. And his will for you, by the way, is not to harm you, not to keep you down. He wants the best for you, and he knows that that's where freedom comes from. Let's pray. Lord, you are so good to us, and I pray for the hearts of every person in this room that we would be optimists for your kingdom and for your word and for what you want to do in the world. God, you want to break us free from chains, but yet we are so bound up by the lies we believe, and I pray that you would give us insight into that each and every day. And it's going to take every single day for us to submit to you. It's a daily thing. It's submitting to you every day. Okay, God, how do you want me to do this? 
How do you want me to walk here? How do you want me to pursue this relationship? How do you want me to spend my money? All of these things, God, you are in charge. God, for those in this room or listening online who are struggling with that idea, God, that's okay. And I pray that you would bring clarity and peace to their hearts. And God, may Hope Church always be a place that is searching to lead people to your wisdom and to your truth, no matter how countercultural it might be. Lord, thank you for this time together. As we sing this song, God, may we even open our hearts to you. And may some of the chains even come off of each individual heart. And before we sing, which while people are just still kind of in a moment of prayer and silence before God, maybe you're in here and say, I don't even know what you're talking about, or but, I, but I'm intrigued and something's missing. And I would love to talk to someone about that. Well, I would love to talk with you, one of our staff. There's a couple ways you can do that today. We have people up here that we trust after our services every week to talk with someone about relationship with Jesus, the way of Christianity. They're here to pray for you as well, and so you could take them up on that. You could snap a picture of that QR code and fill out one of those guest connection cards and say, you know, I'm interested in learning more. I would love to talk with somebody, and we would love to do that with you. But may we go out into this week, God, with you in the forefront of our minds. And may we live under your lordship and your authority. In Jesus' name.